I'm Matt, uh, founder and CEO of Live School, and this is the Live School podcast. Our guest today is Stephanie McConnell. Stephanie is an author, former principal, and current assistant superintendent at Hawkins ISD. She's the author of Wind Time and Morale Magic, which are excellent resources for school leaders working to change their schools for the better. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, and thank you for having me. Of course. Well, uh, let's start off with your own journey. Uh, you were a principal for many years. Can you just talk to us about how you became a principal? What What was your first year like uh, being in charge of a building? Well, um, I first started off as a, a teacher and then um, was teaching for several years. And I never thought at any time in my life I would probably ever go back to college and um, want to become a principal. But you know, I was in my classroom one day and I was thinking, you know, I'm making a really good impact in my own class. And I thought, well, maybe I can make a bigger impact inside my building. Mm. So I thought, well, let me go back to school and kind of see what this is all like. And I actually had over me a, some great leaders, some great principals that were mentoring me, a, a fabulous superintendent, actually a couple of them. And um, so my journey of being a principal was was successful because I had great leadership mm. to, to help and develop me as a school leader. So very thankful for that. And uh, my first year, I think, of being a principal, to your question of that, was a little, I think it was easier for me because mm. I was in the district that I was a a teacher for. So mm -hmm. I already knew the people. I knew the community. I, you know, I had so much advantage. And I think that helped me not have to learn that piece mm -hmm. and instead focus on the pieces that I didn't already know. And so the learning curve wasn't as extensive for me because of that. Yeah. And plus, I just had such great support as well. That's wonderful. I'm curious, when you were um, in your classroom and thinking about being able to have a bigger impact, were there certain aspects of the overall school that you were really drawn to trying to work on or, or improve? Like, were there things in your mind like, ooh, I'd, I'd love to, you know, help make this better or solve this challenge? I, I think I just wanted to be the school leader that everybody deserves, you know, like not to say that I had a bad one to sure. have a reference of that, but I wanted to be one that focused on leadership of me and focus on leadership of the staff that's in there. And that it's, mm -hmm. it's a community of people leading the school together. And I mm -hmm. may be on the front lines and, and heading it up, but I want to see other leaders push the school forward. And that, that was me. It wasn't necessarily the content or change or anything like that. I wanted to us to all make a great school together. Yeah, sounds like very people focused and trying to also enable other people on your team to kind of step up and, and be leaders uh, yeah. and, and take some, some ownership. In your time as principal, I'm really curious to hear about, like, I'm sure there were times you did feel like there were maybe some changes you wanted to make. And it's always a fine balance between getting teacher buy-in, but also, you know, 
pushing mm-hmm. a little bit for the things that you, you think yeah. need to be in place in the school. How did you approach that? First of all, I I think at the time when I was early in my career, I would want buy-in. But now I know the difference that I actually want commitment from people instead of just buy-in. I want them because when you're committed to it, you're going to see it through to the end. Whereas buy-in, you might be um, just going through the motions and you're compliant with the requests that I'm asking you. And I don't want just compliance. I want you to be committed to the process. And so with that comes a lot of communication. Communication is is key in change because if they know the why behind it and what's what's ahead of us and the reason why we're taking the steps that we're taking, I think they're they're more capable of moving from that um, buy-in to being more of a committed, you know, commitment to the process. But also, if they are in the development phase of the change, they're more committed to helping see that through because, you know, we're taking them into the leadership seat. They have a seat at my table every day. You know, I want them to make the changes together. So developing a high impact team of people that can say, okay, here's our problem. Here's the solution. And we get there together. We build the bridge from that problem to solution together. And it is a wonderful exciting piece to actually see and be a part of that you bring to the committee, hey, here's a problem that we have and here is that. And so then change happens. So just like wind time, wind time didn't used to be part of a school. It didn't used to be part of anything. And so I, when I brought this idea to the, to the school, I developed a small group of people started having conversations. Okay, what can that look like? How can we make change happen? And then we just developed this process together. And then when I came to Hawkins ISD, I started having these conversations with everybody because they had did not have it at all in place. And so I, 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 I sat down and had one-on-one conversations with everybody when I first walked in and then presented it to the entire staff. What is it? What is it not? What does it look like? So if you visualize it in your head, this is what it would look like for you. And so think having that team and that buy-in, that commitment, all of that takes communication. So to a roundabout way to get to your answer. There's so there's so much there. I'm <laughs> I'm uh, my my wheels are spinning here. The the difference between buy-in and commitment, I think, is a great distinction because you hear about teacher buy-in so much when you talk about change yeah. in schools, and it's true. Sometimes it can be a little more on the side of like, okay, I'm bought in. It's very different to say I, I'm committed to the problems that we're trying to solve here, and you yeah. know I'm going to help see this through. And I also love the idea of, and I'm sure it took extra time of having those one-on-one conversations with everyone, because I just imagine when when you're then in that staff meeting and you're rolling out the final change, it's got to be a totally different experience for the people sitting on the other side of like, oh, I talked to her about that. You know what I mean? She heard me out on that. Just seems like a really powerful way to approach it. 
Absolutely. Because then, you know, it, by having those conversations, they're telling me something that I may not have thought of. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to address that. So anytime you're having this big change and you've already thought the problems out ahead of time, you're way ahead of the game because you don't want to get in front of the whole campus and then start to push this out. Well, that's not going to work because of this. This is not going to work because of this. And then uh, (laughs) we'll already have an answer for you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And the answer came from, you know, someone in in row two or something. Well, that's really wonderful. And there's a lot there. Um, I'm curious, I'm sure that behavior and discipline came up in your principalship. Um, of course, at Live School, we're very passionate about, you know, positive student recognition and, and improving student behavior. How, how did you approach those issues in your, your time as a principal? Were there challenges that, that you faced in, in that in that department? Absolutely. You know, kids want to be heard and valued and, and everything. So you want to create the culture that everybody is wanted and everybody has, you know, a part in our school. And um, I know first off hand myself that when instruction is not where it needs to be, sometimes discipline is going to be more evident in classrooms like that because they're not on task. It feels like I just walked in the room and and kind of winging the day and students like they want to to see that you are ready and prepared for them. And also kids are going to just show you sometimes they're their best and sometimes not their not best. best. Yeah. Yeah. They're not not the best side. And then they all walk into school in different situations. Mm. You know, and I ha- I like to remind the staff the homes of some of our students do not look like our homes. Mm-hmm. You know? The kitchen table that our kids sit down and do their homework doesn't may not look the same in somebody yeah. else's home. So our kids do not all have the same advantages when they walk through the doors. And so it's just making us more aware and having those conversations and talking to uh, our staff about what every student experiences is sometimes different. But with that being said, discipline will show itself when our students have a bad day or or not and so we just need to be aware of that and have uh, you know systems in place that give our students the support that they need to have a better day yeah i love the idea i mean of course everyone thinks about you know if behavior is a challenge it's going to impact instruction but thinking about it the other way as well if the instructional structure and rigor and excitement isn't there, that's actually going to impact behavior. And, the, you know, it, it's a two-way street. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you talked a little bit about systems in place for, for the school, and schools approach this in so many different ways, but what kinds of systems, you know, were, were important um, in, in your time? Was it really empowering teachers to you know, create systems in their class or really going to the school-wide level of, of expectation setting and, and culture? Um, what kinds of systems did you find most successful? I, I think it's both. I, I want teachers to have the ability to make decisions for their own classroom. 
Mm-hmm. But also consistency across the district or across the campus is important, too, yeah. that we are all having the same language because the kids, students don't just stay in your classroom all day. They travel to other classrooms and have common areas that they attend. So when they're in those spaces or in they're in another class, we want consistency across the building. So one of the my favorite things to do is when you're on campus as a principal is to be visible, be in the hallways. When students are arriving every morning, the common hallway at the front of the building where everybody's coming in, either they're coming in from the bus side or they're coming in from the front side where the parents dropping them off, they will see you as the school leader right there in the front. I want teachers to be standing outside their door greeting uh, you know, students as well, being visible. Um, I think that that shows that, you know, that we do care, that we we want to say good morning to you because they may not have received that at home when they left the class, you know, the school. I mean, left the home that morning and got on the bus or whatever. So we just want to be the first people that they see, if that's the case, that tells them that there's going to be a great day ahead of them. So that, to me, it's very syst- uh, simple systems, I think. It, it's just processes, I, I think. It's just uh, let everybody know you care. And um, and that starts from the people that are leading the classrooms to the students who are attending the classrooms. Yeah. All right. So can you tell us more about Wind Time? You have a book called Wind Time, and it sounds like it was one of the key things you developed um, in, in your school as a principal. It sounds like with, with a lot of great uh, input and, and, and commitment from the rest of your staff. Um, what is wind time and, and what can other schools learn from it as a, as a system or an idea? Absolutely. So wind time stands for what I need. And it is a period of the day that is built into our master schedules where every student receives either intervention or enrichment. Mm-hmm. The reason I created this years ago, and it wasn't even called wind time back then, it was called flex time. And is because even when I was a teacher, if a student had special services and they would leave the room, my, I, there were very short times in the, in the day that I actually had every student in my class at the same time mm-hmm. because it was a revolving door. Oh, now it's your turn to go to speech. It's your turn to go to intervention. It's now your turn. And so I would constantly have a revolving door. And so what happens is those students leaving the classroom to go get those services were missing instruction inside the classroom. And what I was doing was actually creating larger gaps in our students instead of closing those gaps because they were missing core content. And so this protects that time. It protects instructional time. And uh, all of our students go to either intervention or enrichment. And also the other reason it was uh, developed is so that students, when they leave the room to go get those services, aren't embarrassed. I mean, they because they mm. were embarrassed when they left because, oh, I need help. I I don't want to be embarrassed and be pulled out away from my peers. Well, now everybody leaves the room. Everybody either Mm. goes to intervention or enrichment. And so in getting those services. And so it is a very uh, uh, unique way to get personalized instruction and give them exactly what they need. And that could be behavioral support or it could be academic Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Yep. It's just exactly what do they need during that wind time. 
Yeah, that's wonderful. And I guess for some students, yeah, it really is more of that enrichment opportunity maybe to explore an interest that they have or, or go further in, in, in an area that they might not have time for. It, it really gets to meet the student where, you know, well, it's in the name, what they need, right? Exactly. And now it's it's all the way up to our high school students and they're wow. doing the same thing and they're getting college courses or they're going to learn how to, uh, you know, work on their robotics competition projects during that time. So it, it evolves and looks differently at a secondary level than it does at an elementary because more at the elementary, we were focused on the academics. Whereas secondary, you're you're be focused on uh, projects and competitions and things like that that you're uh, working on in band, you know, things like that that we wouldn't have in the elementary setting. Yeah, and I am curious. During wind time, are all staff involved in the process of providing enrichment to students, or for some staff, is that like a a, a break period, or a, you know? A... No, it, we are all hands on deck. Got so it. every every hour, it would be a different grade level that has wind time, and so we're maximizing the staff by making sure that wind time is a different hour all throughout the day, so that now we have interventionists that travel mo- it with each grade level things like that. So um, yeah, it takes all of us, the counselor, the librarians, everybody to to serve students during wind time. Yeah, that all hands on deck feeling must, it, I'm sure it creates a lot of energy in the building too. Like, you know, everyone's kind of getting involved. Yeah. So you, since uh, being a principal, you have transitioned, you're now a assistant superintendent. I'm really curious what the transition from the building to the district level uh, has been has been like. That's a big change. Well, um, before my former uh, superintendent, when he was here, uh, Morris Lyon, he also co-authored the book. He was transitioning me as principal slash assistant superintendent. So I had Mm -hmm. some, before I moved completely out of being a principal, I was working with him and he mentored me and things like that. So now I'm fully assistant superintendent and loving this position because it is all the things that I I absolutely love. And, uh, and I had such, I I, I struggled with uh, leaving the campus because I've been in a principal setting for so long and loved it. And plus my business is all stemmed around principal principles. And so I was worried about moving, but I actually love this position. I do all the things, you know, curriculum instruction and still work with students and still work with uh, staff. And so it's just the best of both worlds. It's the best part of being a principal only in the assistant superintendent side. (laughs) I love that. And uh, just curious, um, is there anything you've learned about how like school campuses and buildings and and districts work together best? What, you know, any misconceptions maybe uh, and things that, you know, you all have found that that work well and and help foster collaboration? I think uh, something that comes to my mind already is the misconception of uh, that I think central office people have given the role of us. And so I'm hoping that my leadership sees us in a different light that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm still hands on. I'm still here for 
to serve. And I, I to me, I work for them. They don't work for me. I'm not over Amen. them. I work beside you. And so I, I want that, that culture uh, there that, um, you know, is that this is a team thing and I'm going to do everything I can to support you as an educator to do the best job that you can do every single day because our, our kids deserve that. And I want to make sure that they get that. Absolutely. Um, as part of your business and promoting your uh, ideas and books, I, I noticed you're very active on social media. I'm curious, did that start when you were a principal? Were those tools that you were using to communicate to your community? Or is that something more uh, more new and, and connected to that? Just curious if there's any tools you recommend for principals out there that they should check out in terms of you know, being Absolutely. able to yeah, share out with their communities. So first of all, I started the business uh, so many years ago when there weren't very many resources for school leaders. So I thought, mm -hmm. first of all, that I was going to do this as a way to just share what I was doing and hopefully other people will start to share as well. And that's exactly what happened. And so now we have this big you know, group of people that are learning together and sharing resources because there are so many resources for the teachers, but not a lot for the principals. But now that's changing. And I absolutely love that. So if I was going to give any advice to principals is to join a network of school leaders. And mm -hmm. I have a great one that has, I don't know, almost 80,000 school leaders. I saw that on Facebook. Yes. Uh, Principal Principals Leadership Group. Join that or any other ones. There's some, uh, so many people in there that are just willing to give you anything like you ask for something and they'll share it with you right away. And that's what I love. And that's the support that we need as school leaders. Like, hey, I don't know how to say this. I don't know how to word this. Um, what do you do in this situation? And we all jump in and give our two cents on that. And hopefully it all works out on their end when we do that. Um, but it, it's that is a, a great advice, I think, for anyone. But as far as like social media, I love it because I can share firsthand with everyone what we're doing and what's, what's so fun, you know, what we're doing at our school to be successful, what we're do, I'm doing personally in my own personal life. So you can see me in a different setting as well. Um, so I absolutely love social media. I love that. Um, speaking of social media, I do have to ask, are, are you, how is your staff in the district seeing what's happening just with students in social media and after COVID, is it a challenge that you all are facing trying to sort of teach students, you know, I guess the, the right way or, or, or positive ways yeah. to, to be engaged online? Or I know it's something that, you know, a lot of districts I think do, do see and struggle with somewhat. Yeah. I mean, our students are, you know, always have a device in front of them. And so one of the things that we do is to uh, make sure that there is a good balance of face-to-face, -face you know, interaction inside the classroom, talking with each other, things like that, instead of uh, always in your device. Because we are a one-to-one -one school, we do... Uh, we try not to have the cell phones out during classroom unless it supports the lesson, that sort of thing. Um, 
but yeah, at the secondary level, we do see see that. And plus, if anything's happening in the school in any kind of way, they're really quick to get their cell phones out and want to share the news across the world. Um, so we have to be careful with with the cell phones, just like everybody else. Of but course, yeah. In, inside the classroom, we want it to be engaging lessons, hands-on lessons, things like that. They keep our students focused and uh, not missing uh, instruction because they're thinking about talking on social media. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure with that one-to-one instructional model, um, there's a lot of skills that students are probably developing, like digital skills that are going to yeah. serve them really well. Absolutely. In, you know, today's world. Um, well, thank you so much. I'd love to wrap up with kind of a bigger, bigger picture question here. Um, if you could put up a billboard that every principal in the whole country would see on their on their way to work, um, other than inviting them to your Facebook group for principals, is there a message that uh, that you would want to share more about, you know, um, some inspiration or, or something that has kept you going in your career in education? Oh, man, this is a hard question. Um, I would think that relationships matter. Mm. You know, um, if I could say, you know, just those simple words, relationships matter. It it means connect with the people that are in front of you. Be present when somebody is with you. Um, and I'm guilty of that, too, when I'm at home, sometimes detaching sure. from social media, just running a business and also trying to do all the social media and blogging and all that kind of stuff. But being mm-hmm. present when people are around, uh, because that's what's really matters at the end of the at the end of the day. Um, and I, I just think that's just so critical is that we build those relationships because that's going to be key. Absolutely. Well, what a great note to end on. Uh, Thank you so much for taking out time from your busy day to share your experience on the Lab School podcast. And uh, I think there's a lot of takeaways for everyone at home. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I have enjoyed being here. Thank you for having me.